Hey there, friends. Welcome to another episode of the Bible in Life podcast. We are coming up on the two-year anniversary of the Bible in Life podcast and the Bible in Life online ministry. And so over the next couple of weeks as we approach that, I want to put together just some of the things that we have been able to accomplish over the last couple of years. And when I say we have been able to accomplish, I mean that. You and me together, we have been able to accomplish some things that I find super exciting, super encouraging. And some of you have been generous supporters of this ministry, either through my Patreon page or World Family Mission. And so when I say like what we've been able to accomplish, I mean we, like we're partners in this together and you have made it possible for this ministry to continue to grow and continue to make an impact. And so over the next few weeks, at some point here as we approach June, I just think we're going to pull together some things, and I just want to share some of that with you. Is what are some of the things that we've been able to accomplish over the last uh, couple of years together? And in that vein, if you uh, are a supporter, man, thank you, thank you, thank you for being a patron of the Bible Life Podcast, or thank you through donating through World Family Mission. If you are a regular listener and participant of this ministry, you regularly benefit from it and find value in it, but you are not supporting. Man, I would just ask you to prayerfully consider becoming a patron of the podcast, a patron of this ministry. Um, it is making a difference in people's lives all around the world. Um, people in Japan, people in South Africa, uh, people in Bosnia, people in Moldova, um, all over the, Indonesia, Singapore. It's amazing to me when I look down through that list, as well as here in the States, people's lives are being impacted and shaped and changed, being encouraged and built up. So thank you to those of you who are already patrons who give. You are making a massive difference through this ministry. And thank you to those who decide to become a patron um, in the near future. All right, we have been talking about discipleship over the last few episodes on the podcast, and there's so much that could be said about that, so much more. But I've decided to wrap it up with this episode by answering some questions that I have here about discipleship. And so I just want to interact with these questions, share some of my thoughts on these questions about discipleship, and kind of leave this topic at this point for now. Well, always come back to it. And really everything I do is about discipleship. It's about helping us both become disciples, live as disciples, grow as disciples. But let's just wrap up this little series we've been doing with just a handful of questions that uh, I think will be helpful for us to kind of think through and wrap up uh, our series on discipleship. So the first question that I have here is this, are, are discipleship and evangelism the same thing? Are discipleship and evangelism the same thing? And my answer to that would be, no, they're not. They're not exactly the same thing. Um, and let me explain that, because I think there's actually quite a bit of confusion about this. And there's actually, I, I would say most pastors, preachers, elders, church leaders tend to think, oh, no, evangelism is becoming a Christian. And discipleship is what we need to do after we become Christians. We need to provide that for people afterwards. And, and so most churches even think that way, and they're kind of structured that way. They've got like their outreach program, and then they've got their discipleship program. They've got their evangelism pastor and their discipleship pastor. And so I think implicitly we know that discipleship and evangelism aren't the same thing, but 
When I say they're not the same thing, I think I mean it differently than that. Um, when you look at discipleship, particularly Jesus's commission to go and make disciples in Matthew chapter 28, which is what we talked about in the very first uh, episode in this series, what's obvious there is that making disciples is the mission of the church. There is no other mission. That's, that is our mission, to go and make disciples. It is the big category that we are supposed to be about. Uh, the evangelism is one part of that mission. And so I don't think of evangelism as one thing we're supposed to do and then discipleship as the next thing we're supposed to do. That's just not the way we're commissioned by Jesus in Matthew 28. We're commissioned to do one thing, make disciples. That making disciples has two components to it. The first component is evangelism baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That's sort of like the first step of discipleship. They have now come to faith in Jesus, and they get baptized to mark that out, be the line in the sand, say, I am a follower of Jesus. And then the second component is teaching them to obey all I commanded you there in Matthew 28. And so discipleship is the one big category of uh, helping people become disciples, i.e. evangelism, helping people live as disciples, i.e. teaching them to obey all I commanded you. And that is our mission. That's what we're about. And so discipleship and evangelism aren't the same thing. Um, discipleship is the big category of which evangelism is one component. And next question that I have here is this. Well, when does discipleship begin? When does discipleship begin? And you heard it implied in what I just said there about discipleship and evangelism. Discipleship begins the moment someone decides to be a follower of Jesus. Like When someone says, you know what, I think Jesus is who he said he is. I think I should listen to Jesus. They are a disciple. In fact, uh, I actually saw, this came through my news feed yesterday uh, on Facebook, um, where it was kind of a group thing that I don't really pay a whole lot of attention to, but it comes through my feed every once in a while. And that's the question is, what what are uh, like the characteristics of a true disciple? That was the question that was asked in this feed. Uh, oh, that's interesting. And I saw some of the comments that were in there. And I'm like, well, I don't know that you're understanding your question well. Like, I got the impression what they meant was, what are the characteristics of a mature disciple? Like somebody who's been walking with Jesus for a long time, and now they are mature in Christ. But you can be a true disciple of Jesus and be very much a beginner, right? Like a true disciple is, can, can like really, their character can still be quite askew. They have an awful lot to, of changing and transformation needed. They don't hardly know anything about God, the Bible, Jesus, church, theology, or anything like that. And they're still a true disciple. Why? Because uh, discipleship begins at the moment we decide to say yes to Jesus and follow him. Like the immediate response to the gospel that Jesus preached and the immediate response to the gospel that the, the apostles preached in the book of Acts was to become a disciple. A positive response to their teaching was to become a disciple. And so when does discipleship begin? Well, it begins at the beginning. That's when it begins. Um, think, think of it as like being an apprentice. You can be very much 
an apprentice, say an apprentice cabinet maker, an apprentice plumber, an apprentice electrician, and still be very inept and very much a beginner, not knowing hardly anything and not very skilled yet, right? Well, that's the way it is with discipleship. You can be an apprentice to Jesus and still be fairly inept, <laughs> a beginner. You've got a lot to learn, but you're genuinely a disciple. What does it take to be a disciple? It takes simply confidence that in Jesus and a commitment to learn from Jesus. If you have those, you're a disciple. Like, no, I'm totally confident in Jesus that he knows what he's talking about. He is who he says he is, and I'm committed to learn from him. You've got that. You're a disciple. So discipleship begins at the very beginning of our following of Jesus. All right, then. Well, that raises another question that I actually have here. Um, well, what what is the difference between discipleship or salvation and salvation? Or the way this question is worded is discipleship versus salvation. Discipleship versus is there a difference? Like, can you be saved and not be a disciple? Can you be a disciple? And not be saved. I don't think anyone would say that. But some would say, oh yeah, you can be saved and not be a disciple. And it's like, well, no, no, you really can't. Not, in, not according to Jesus and not according to the New Testament. Like, discipleship is the mission of the church, Matthew 28. Discipleship is the positive response to the gospel. When Jesus preached the gospel, people became his disciples. Um, what what has happened in at least in like a lot of modern bible teaching preaching churches and modern evangelicalism is we have reduced the gospel merely to getting your sins forgiven and then getting a ticket to heaven when you die. We have pretty much reduced the gospel to that. But that's not the gospel that Jesus preached and that's not the gospel that the apostles preached. And as a result, we have had somehow had preachers and teachers and people think that discipleship was sort of like an optional add-on, an optional extra, the kind of the luxury edition of Christianity. But you can be a Christian and be saved, have your sins forgiven, have your ticket to heaven without being a disciple. And that is just a confusion, both of the gospel and of what salvation actually means. In the New Testament, salvation fundamentally means life, that you're given life, both life now and forever. But it starts now, and it starts by following Jesus, by attaching yourself to him. That, that um, The gospel Jesus preached included repentance, included faith and faithfulness, included a commitment to follow Jesus. And so discipleship versus salvation is a false choice. If you are saved, you are a disciple of Jesus. Whether you're a very good one or not, whether you're like I said in the last question, right? Like whether you're a beginner or not, if you are saved, you are a disciple. The proper response to the gospel that Jesus preached is that Jesus is king, risen from the dead. He's calling all men everywhere to repent. That's exactly what shows up in the book of Acts. So repent and believe the gospel. And when you do that, you become a follower of Jesus. You have confidence in Jesus and you're committed to learn from him because you believe that he's king of kings, lord of lords, risen from the dead. And so to, uh, to be saved is to be a disciple. And they are not opposed to one another. All right, next question. Uh, why is discipleship important? Well, hopefully we don't have to spend hardly any time on this. Why is discipleship so important? Because 
as I've said many times in trainings with pastors and churches and my discipleship coaching program that I provide to churches, helping them think through how to make a disciple-making culture in their church, like it's one of the services I provide as part of my ministry, I, I've told people this over and over again. Here's why discipleship is important. As churches, as Christians, since discipleship is our mission, here it is, discipleship isn't something we do. It's everything we do. Like when it comes to being a church, being on mission with and for Jesus, discipleship isn't something we do. It's everything we do. Every pastor is a discipleship pastor. Every Christian is a disciple who's learning to follow Jesus and become like Jesus so they can do what Jesus did, which means make more disciples. Like it's everything we do. So being a disciple and making disciples, that's just at the heart of what it means to be a church and to be a, a Christian. So why is discipleship important? Because it's the mission Jesus gave us. Because it's the thing we're supposed to be about. It is everything we do. Um, it is our marching orders from Jesus. And that's true at a church level. That's also true at an individual level. If you're a Christian, you're a disciple. There's there's no other way to say it. In fact, the through the book of Acts, for the first half of the book of Acts, that's what Christians are regularly called, followers of the way, disciples. That's That's the name for them. They're not even called Christians until halfway through the book of Acts. And that becomes a very, I mean, that, that word's hardly ever used in the New Testament. That's become our word, our primary word. But the primary early word for for Christians was disciples. So it's just everything we are. So if you're, if you're a Christian, then you're a disciple. You're a follower of Jesus. And your job is to learn from Jesus how to do life the way Jesus would if Jesus were in your place. You're, you're a disciple, and that means you're living life with Jesus so that you can become like Jesus, so that you can do the things that Jesus did. Now, that's what it's all about. Well, next question then is, well, then why is it difficult? Why is it difficult? Why is discipleship so hard? Man, that's a big question. I don't think I have time to answer all the reasons for that here in the, in the next little bit. But let me just give you some thoughts on that. There's some very personal reasons. Why is it hard at the individual level? Why is the slipship hard for me, for you, or for us if we are kind of discipling somebody, helping somebody grow as a disciple? Why is that hard? Well, one, because human beings are fundamentally flawed. We, we live in a fallen world, right? The Bible says that's this world is broken and it's fallen and it's arrayed against God. We humans have participated in this fallen world so so long that it's kind of become part of us. And and so when when we're trying to follow Jesus and become like Jesus, we're 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 swimming upstream against culture, against the ambitions of culture, against the messages of culture, against the narratives of culture, against the goals of culture, right? Against every, you know, we're, we're swimming upstream. So that makes it hard. And not only against culture, but against kind of ourselves. Like, like we participated in this culture for so long that it's just part of us, right? And our thinking thinks that way. And so we're having to unlearn certain things that were kind of just grilled into us through our upbringing, through our family of origin, through the messaging we got, through the school system, whatever it is, or to unlearn certain things and learn new things. That's, that's 
So there's that component of there's a retraining of the mind, be transformed by the renewing of your mind, the Apostle Paul says, Romans 12, 1 and 2. So there's that part of it. Not only that, what the scriptures say is personally, sin is not like an outsider that just, oh yeah, we have a casual relationship with. Sin gets in us, Paul says. The, the New Testament regularly teaches that sin somehow gets in us personally and even into our body in the sense of learned habits of the body, reflex responses. And so certain stimuli just trigger certain responses. And now we've got to retrain the body to do different things and to act differently. And so there's new things to learn, new ideas, new values, new ways of perceiving, new ways of thinking, new narratives to live within, that we've got to relearn those, and we've got to retrain the body to respond to the stimuli of the world differently the way Jesus would. And so at a very personal level, um, it, it's hard, right? There, there, that's why it's difficult. That's why it's a lifetime job. There's just a lot to learn here as we walk with Jesus and become like Jesus. So there's that's some of the reasons why it's difficult. Um some other reasons why it's difficult if we just say, like, making disciples for a church. Why is it hard to make disciples for a church? Again, some of the same sorts of things, culture and all that. But let me just point out a few really things, that, at least in my culture, American culture, Western European culture as well. What are some things that make it hard to, to make disciples and to be disciples? Well, some of it is just um, busyness. People are just incredibly busy. And we tend to value busyness like the more busy you are the better you are and so if you if you're going to slow down that's countercultural and yet slowing down is an important spiritual practice for becoming like Jesus because um, it's hard for us to break from the messaging and the ways of culture without withdrawing from culture for a time and listening to Jesus. And that's why sol uh, silence and solitude is a key spiritual practice for people becoming like Jesus. But busyness gets in the way. When you think churches, like just getting people to actually participate in following Jesus and even in some of the programming that would help them do that. People are busy. So busyness gets in the way of, of some of that. Distraction is another cultural phenomenon that is impeding um, our discipleship and impeding the making of disciples. Think about the cell phone. Uh, think about how attached people are to their phone. Think about um, how many times throughout the day people just pick up their phone and scroll through Instagram, scroll through Facebook, or whatever is their social media platform of choice and how much time we just waste doing that. Here's the thing. What occupies your mind controls your life. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. What occupies your mind controls your life. And yet our mind is occupied with so many ideas and images and feelings and thoughts that are just projected upon us through our phones, through social media. We're highly distracted. We're highly distracted. It's, it's hard for us to focus for long terms and to fix our mind on something. And yet we're supposed to fix our mind on Christ and we have a hard time fixing our mind on anything because we're so distracted and so distraction. So there's just cultural factors. Not only that, like discipleship always happens, always happens in a one another context, always happens in a relational environment. What I prefer to call one another context because that means we can put the one another's of the, the New Testament in there so that there's actual content to that relational environment because everyone has their own opinion about what 
good relationships look like, what community looks like, what authentic relationships look like, that stick one another in there, love one another, serve one another, bear one another's burdens, pray for one another, spur one another unto love and good deeds. All those one another's of the New Testament. Discipleship always happens there. And yet, in Western culture, we're isolated. We're individualized. We're cut off from other people. We're so busy we don't have time for other people. So there's just a lot of cultural factors that make discipleship difficult. There's a lot of personal factors that make discipleship difficult. And so if we're going to if we're going to actually get back to the mission of Jesus and really be successful in being disciples who make disciples, it's going to be an uphill battle. We're going to we're going to kind of stumble our way forward. It's going to be a bit of a fight. We're going to have to want it, want it bad. But if we want it bad enough, we'll figure it out. We'll start working towards it. That's part of the reason why I, I, I've been coaching churches in this. Because it is hard. And just to have somebody bring some clarity, somebody to provide some direction, somebody to provide some support and accountability so that we can actually begin to move forward and rethink how we're going to do it. It's difficult, but it can be done, and, and we can figure it out together. Uh, well, there's, uh, i got a couple other questions, and we're kind of running short on time. Let me just hit these real quick. Uh, what are some things discipleship is not? So we've talked about some things discipleship is. What is it not? I would say discipleship is not classes. Classes can be a strategy for discipleship, but it's not like a discipleship class. It's more than that. It's bigger than that. A class can be a tool, a means of helping us grow as disciples, but in and of itself, it's not discipleship. Even a program, a discipleship program, most churches have uh, intuitively thought over the last 20, 25 years that we need a discipleship program. False. Discipleship is not a program. And programs can help. Again, they can be a strategy. But do you have a culture? Like culture works better. Uh, like a greenhouse is a culture for growing healthy, vibrant, flourishing plants. It's a culture. Culture works better than a program. Culture is still intentional. Culture might even have some programmatic elements, some strategies, but a culture is much bigger. So it's not a program. It's not an event, a discipleship event, right? Like those are not discipleship. So discipleship is not classes. It's not a program. It's not an event. Like it's not a one-off thing. Oh, I went to an eight-week class on discipleship. Boom, got it mastered. That's not what it is, right? Like So it's not those kinds of things. It's bigger, deeper than that. It's a whole life experience in that. And, and that, that leads really to this last question, the man. <laughs> We don't have time to do. Maybe I will have to do another week on this. We'll see. But this last question is, well, how do we do discipleship then? How do we do How do we do it? And that's a big question because, again, there's two kind of tracks to that. How do we do it individually? How do you do it? How do I do discipleship? And then there's the track with the organizationally, the churches. How do churches do that? How do churches do discipleship? Um, both are important because um, churches can... They can encourage, right? They can facilitate. They can create that culture of discipleship. Churches can uh, become that greenhouse that makes it more likely to happen where it's in, it's sort of in the water, sort of in the air. It's in the environment. And people have a – it just kind of happens more naturally because there's a culture. So churches can provide that. How do churches provide that culture? Um, and then individually, what is, what is your responsibility? What's involved in that? Um, wow, man, that's a lot to think about. So here's what I'm going to do. I am going to do a second. Uh, I'll do a final podcast. So we'll have this week, and then next week I will do a final podcast, just kind of exploring 
that last question, maybe those last two, what discipleship is not, and then how to do discipleship well. All right, so I'll kind of do one more on that because I don't want to just race through that because that is so, so incredibly important. So I'm glad that question's asked. I'm glad we can have some time to kind of explore that. So anyhow, there you go. There are some questions about discipleship. Next week, we will explore more fully and completely, well then, how do we do this thing called discipleship? Let's just I'll just try to give some practical suggestions, some real things that I've been thinking a lot about that hopefully are helpful to you as a way to wrap up this whole series. So thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Bible and Life uh, podcast. Thanks for being interested in discipleship. And thanks again for being a patron or a supporter in whatever way you can of the podcast. Continue to pray for it. If you're able to uh, give financially, swing over to my Patreon page or to World Family Mission and support the show there. Thanks a ton. God bless you guys. And I look forward to talking more about discipleship with you next week.